Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your love and your mercies towards each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Just be with us now and guide us by your spirit that we may discern your truths, especially for these last days. We thank you once again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Exit the dragon, spiritual dangers of the martial arts. Today we're going to look at biblical meditation versus Eastern meditation. Now, as we talked about yesterday, um, there's a whole concept that the Eastern uh, religions and Eastern thought has that is different from biblical uh, teachings. And that is the concept of God. The Bible teaches us that God is a personal being who loves us, who cares for us, and who we call our Father. Whereas in the Eastern thought, He is merely, or it is merely, some universal force or some sort of power that we become a part of, that we are all connected to. And we had also mentioned that there's uh, certain things... um, uh, that have been portrayed in movies and so forth. And even one of them we mentioned yesterday was uh, about the Force in that movie, in that series called Star Wars, where they say, use the Force, Luke. Uh, but in essence, it is based on the yin and yang philosophies of opposites coexisting. One cannot exist without the other. That's why darkness will always have, there will always be darkness as long as there is light. There will always be evil as long as there is good. And so they coincide and, and uh, exist together. That's why even in that movie Star Wars, uh, um, Luke Skywalker, the good guy, he's supposed to use the force. But then that force was also with Darth Vader, the bad guy, because he was on the dark side of the force. And yet it was still the same force. It wasn't two different forces. It was the same force. Part of it is light, part of it is dark, but 1 John uh, 1, 5, it says that God is light and in Him is no darkness. Totally different. Today we're going to look at how uh, this is tried to accomplish as to how we get the God in us out in the martial arts. Instead of saying the God in us, uh, they may say the master in us to get that out and again it's all part of becoming part of this universal force and by the way uh, the system I was involved in we strongly believe that we can call upon the past masters and the present masters who have connected with this force with this Tao they call it a Tao pronounced uh, with a D but spelt with a T, T-A-O, and that is that they have. there are some that have connected with it. And for us to try and connect with it, we try and connect and ask those past masters and the present masters to help us to connect as well. It's the closest thing that you could say that we even prayed. Let me uh, demonstrate what we used to do as an example And so we would basically kneel down, and we would go here, and then bow. And by the way, we'd face the east when we did it. You read Ezekiel chapter 8, you'll see that there's a significance in facing the east. All these religions are connected together, by the way, and you'll see that in a moment. But we would 
go like this and we go past masters and then do it again, present masters. And then we would ask, now when we say present or past masters, we're talking about the dead ones that have passed away. And we would ask them to help us to connect with them in this whole idea of this universal energy, okay, which would be some would call God, but it is not a personal God. It is just some sort of force, okay? But today, we're going to see that the connection or the way uh, we get into that as well is through um, meditation. Now, all this is basically all part of spiritualism. You read the great controversy and you'll notice the different parts of Babylon, whether it's Catholicism, whether it's the uh, Protestant America, or uh, anything else, or the third part of, um, of uh, Babylon, basically spiritualism, you'll notice that they all connect through spiritual principles. Now you know this, as good Bible students, that the origin of spiritualism isn't something new. It goes way back to the first one who practiced spiritualism. Okay? Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. Okay? Here's what it says, and if you've, you've read this before, I'm sure if you've studied the great controversy, you're familiar with this. Here it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the, upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. What was his goal? What did he want to do? He wanted to be like the most high. He wanted to be like God, not in character, but in power and position and prerogative. Because if he really was like God, then he, he would not be a prideful. He would not exalt himself. He would do what? Humble himself. Okay, as you read in Philippians 2, talking about Jesus, who, who thought, it not to be, uh, thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, and yet he humbled himself and came in the form of a servant. So we see this individual, Lucifer, he exalted himself, but the God of heaven, what does he do? Humbled himself. There's a vast difference. Now, but we see here, I will be like the Most High. It's about becoming like God. And it did not stop there because we know as he was cast down, spiritualism was brought to the human race. Genesis 3, 4 and 5, a serpent. Now we know this to be the devil because in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it does let us know that he was called the old serpent or the serpent of old. That's because he was back in the Garden of Eden. It says, the serpent said to him, you shall not surely die. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. It says, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Now, here's what's interesting. A couple of things is, again, he's, he's letting them know, or he's letting Eve know, that you shall be as God's 
Now, by the way, Eve did not know other gods. She only know, knew the one and only God. This could be translated okay, with a capital G. G-O-D. And some Bibles do do that. Okay, because it's the same word, Elohim. It's the same word used. But the point here is, is, is again, this is the same spirit we found with Lucifer that becoming like God and, again, not dying. Now, upon death, if we move on to become part of this universal force, guess what? You never really died. You were, you were just that force inside and you just came out. Now, the thing with spiritualism, as you notice, it has come through now, and especially in our days. We see more and more of the occult. Would you agree? In books, in movies, in TV shows, everywhere. Video games, children's programs, their cartoons. I mean, they're everywhere, and it's accepted. It is, uh, it is seen that, you know, there's, there's, there's the good side, right? You know, there's, there's the bad side, but there's also the good side. I remember one fellow before I met up with him in one of my previous districts, he was, uh, he got into witchery. He became a witch. But uh, he grew up as a Christian, but he left Christianity and, and he became a witch and so forth. And, uh, and he decided he was going to practice the, the uh, white arts, okay, of witchcraft, okay. He was going to be a good witch. The deeper he got into it, the more he realized there was no such thing as good witchcraft. Okay? And he got into the dark arts. But praise God, the Lord delivered him out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. And I uh, had the pleasure of baptizing this individual. But we see more and more of that, not just among adults, but even children, and it has brought on to the occult. We see occult books. There's a whole section. You go to the uh, library. You go to the bookstore. There's a whole section just on the occult. You want to get into uh, witchcraft, it's there. You want to get into uh, uh, other things, uh, whether it's uh, things like the kundalini and, and other things that you want to conjure up and so forth. You want to learn about uh, um, warlocks, witches, sorcery. You can find those books in there. By the way, not just they also the internet. The internet's pretty convenient nowadays. Um, it's so much uh, quicker um, to do research nowadays. That's a good thing, but it also, uh, if you're researching the wrong things, it could also be bad. Okay, I remember when I first uh, started following the Lord, I did not have a Bible program. The internet was just kind of getting started and so forth. I used to use a strong concordance. Remember that? Okay. And uh, when I was just a brand new Christian, I remember going through every single word and trying to <laughs> go through every one. Now we just type it in in a computer program. Boom, it's up. It has all of them there for you. Okay. So internet also, you can look up things on the occult. That's all over the place, and it's being accepted as something that, you know, that, uh, that's good. Okay? 
There was even a whole series based on, on books uh, that were written, okay, on sorcery, okay? Harry Potter. Ever hear of Harry Potter? Yeah, kids love it, okay? Kids want to be like Harry Potter, okay? So we find that this, uh, ha- there's an explosion in this. Everything goes back, back to Genesis 3. Everything, those things go back to Genesis 3 when it was introduced to the human race. And the whole idea is we can somehow become like God. Not the way the Bible teaches, but becoming God's ourselves. So the occult, also known as spiritualism or New Age, these are branches of it. Meditation is an integral part of it. And it's based on the idea that we are a God within. Uh, Buddhism is strong into the meditation because what happens now, uh, a Buddhist, okay, or basically if you are Buddha, that means the enlightened one. Where you have actually become now, when you're enlightened, it means that you are now, uh, have transcended time and space. You are in the here and now. You are now aware of every single thing around you and around the world without consciousness, okay? I'm going to take you to a passage here. Let's go to, if you have your Bibles, if not, I'll just read it. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, the other reference there is the parallel one, but it says the exact same thing. In Matthew chapter 12, let me read it here. Starting from verse 43, Jesus gives a parable. Matthew 12 and 43. It says here, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now let's pause here for a moment and let's look at this. So here's talks about an unclean spirit comes out of man, and then so he's going around and then uh, looking for places to go and to rest and so forth. And then he decides to go back. Okay, so evil spirit decides to go back. But here's what's interesting. Says, I'll return to my house from whence I came out, and when he has come, he finds it empty swept, and garnished. Okay? What does the house look like? Is it a big mess? It's been cleansed. It's clean. Let me ask you this question. Okay? When you come to Christ, and I mentioned this yesterday, and I know you're you're, uh, familiar with that, we can come to Christ any way we are. Agree? Yes. But Jesus loves us too much to keep us 
that way. Would you agree? He does something in our lives. He changes us. The things I used to like, just like Paul said, I now hate the things I used to hate. I now love. The type of music I used to listen to is not what I listen to now. Okay? I remember uh, when I was in high school, my friends and I, we'd be driving down the street at night, and we'd have our rock music on, and we'd be banging our heads. <laughs> okay? And then, you know, and then we'd just be there, and then we got the music full blast. We'd come to a stoplight, and then we see a next car beside us, and we look at them. All of a sudden, we start going again. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Christ transforms us. The things I used to eat and like, um, you know, I don't eat those things anymore. Why? The Lord changes our taste buds. Things I watch, uh, things I read. The Lord transforms, He cleanses us. He does the cleaning. He's the one that cleaned this place out. He's the one that cast out the demon. He's the one that cleansed it. But here's the problem. Not only was this house now clean, it was also what? Empty. Where did the one go that cleaned the place? Where did he go? No longer there. I've had people give their lives to Jesus Christ. The Lord cleanses them, transforms them, and they all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but through time, they stop having a devotional life. Things just get too busy. Okay? Things get too busy. They got to get up early in the morning, get to work right away. And so they, they don't have that time to spend with the Lord. And so what happens now is the house is clean. Sure, they've been transformed. But the one who came and cleaned the house is no longer there. It's empty. Here's the problem. The demon now goes out and says, hey, it's empty. Nobody's here. What does he do? Gets his buddies. Hey, look, we got the whole house to ourselves. So the state of the man is worse later on than it was at the beginning. My dear friends, when you give your life to Jesus Christ and He cleanses you, don't leave it empty. That is why we find in Scripture that there is such thing that is called meditation. Okay, and we're going to look at that in a moment. So we see here that we are not to be left empty, but we need to be, we need to have Christ still with us. I'm going to go uh, share something here in a moment, and then we'll get back to that because this totally relates to it. In English class, when you were growing up, you learned about wor words and their relationships. There was such a thing called a synonym. Remember that in English class? A synonym is a word or phrase that has a similar or the same meaning as another word or phrase. For example, begin, start, commence. What do they mean? They mean the same thing. Okay? An antonym is a word that has the opposite meaning to another word, right? Cold and hot. Big and small. Homonym, by the way, there's, there's different types of homonyms. We're gonna, I'm giving you the simplest definition here. But you got about two or three different homonyms. But this is the one most people understand. The word that has the same spelling and pronunciation as another word but has a different meaning. 
Okay? So it sounds the same. A lie could be an untruth, but lie also means to what? To recline. You know, you, you lay down. Okay? You, you lie down. Ever hear of a word called a contronym? You've heard, who here's heard of a synonym? Let me see your hands. Okay? Pretty much all of you. Antonym. Who's heard of antonym? Oh, you remember it from English class. Your English teacher did a good job drilling it in. Good. Homonym. Who's heard of a homonym? Okay. Who's heard of a contronym? I didn't learn it in English class, by the way, but I, I, I do know what a contronym is. A contronym, interestingly, uh, spelled contronym or contronym. Contra meaning contradicts. It's also referred to as autoantonym. It's another word. But anyway, it's a word with two opposite meanings. Wait a minute now. It contradicts itself. For example, what does the word left mean? Well, left could mean what? What, what remains, but it also means what has gone? Well, which is it? Okay? It could be something that was left. Okay? The uh, water bottle was left on the table. Okay? But somebody could have walked away and somebody could be looking for it. Well, the water bottle is, has left. <laughs> okay? Does that make sense? It's the same word, but having an opposite meaning to itself. Here's another one, dust. What does dust mean? Well, if somebody came and told you, uh, you need to dust the table. If you came to dust the table Friday, you know, Friday afternoon, what are you doing? You're cleaning, you're removing the dust. Okay? But if you were to dust it for fingerprints, what, guess what you're doing? You're adding dust. So which is it, to remove dust or to add dust? It's the same word. It's a contronym. It contradicts itself. I'll give you another one. Meditate or meditation. It is a contronym. It is a word that contradicts itself. It has two opposite meanings, and yet it is the same word. It means to fill the mind, but it also means to empty the mind. And this is where we need to be careful because this is being brought into Christianity where they say, the Bible teaches meditation. And I say, yes, it does. But my question is, which definition are we looking at? Because there are many well-meaning Christians that are now using meditation, but the wrong kind. And they do things like contem contemplative prayer and uh, focused prayer. By the way, they've made the word contemplate have an opposite meaning to itself as well now. Does that make sense so far? Who here has heard of a contronym? Anybody? 
I better see every hand up because I hope you're listening for the past five minutes. You have now heard of a contronym. Yes? yes? All right. I don't have to review the past five minutes, right? We got it. You are now way ahead of most English students. <laughs> so meditate is the action. Meditation is the noun. Okay? So the verb and the noun. So what's with meditation? Well, let's look at it. Biblical meditation versus Eastern meditation. In the Bible, meditation is simply thinking upon things and filling the mind. So if somebody asks you, is it okay to meditate? What is the answer? Yes, it's in the Bible. What you need to do is pursue what their definition is. Because yes, we should meditate, but on the other hand, no, we should not, depending on how the word is used. And we've got to be careful because that same word is used two opposite ways. Okay, does that make sense so far? Okay, we're going to look at, I put it here, so I'm not going to go there right now. Okay, Psalm 1 verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his what? Law doth he meditate day and night. Let me ask you this question. This is basic, you know, basic uh, common sense and logic. When here, when David wrote, in his law, that's the law of God, doth he meditate day and night. Is he talking about getting it out of your mind and not thinking about it? Or is he talking about thinking about the law? Thinking about it. Thinking about it and filling your mind. Okay? Let's look at the next one. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. What's David saying here? Is he saying here that, you know, when, when I'm laying down on my bed now, I want to forget about you. Is that what he's saying? What's he doing? He's thinking about God. He's filling the mind. Okay? That's biblical meditation. We're filling the mind. We're thinking about things. I will meditate also of all thy what? Work. These are the things God has done. And talk of, of thy doings. So again, is he talking about forgetting about it or thinking about what God has done? He's thinking about it. Okay. Ellen White also mentions that. As well, you know that famous quote where she says it would do as well to contemplate, it would do as well to, to take an hour, I'm paraphrasing, contemplating on the cross of Christ. You know that passage? Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I remember, uh, here's the point. Here's the point. Even when Ellen White wrote that, she's talking about thinking about it, contemplating thinking, filling your mind, thinking about what God has done, okay? The, uh, in the Hebrew, by the way, the, the word picture used for meditate is mutter, okay? Mutter. Um, which? To mutter, like uh, M-U-T-T-E-R, 
ER, you know, where you're like, you're just muttering, right? You know, when you see somebody and there's kind of, like this thing, right? Uh, my, my family does that all the time. They say, who are you preaching to? I'll be driving down. My wife would be right beside me, and I'd be going. <laughs> and she goes, who are you preaching to? I didn't realize I was preaching, you know. There was a time I used to fight. I told you that yesterday. I used to fight in my sleep, okay? Now I preach while I drive. <laughs> That's muttering. Remember Hannah? She prayed so hard to the Lord for a son that she looked like that she was drunk. Why? Because she was muttering. She was, she was so deep into the Lord, talking to the Lord, spending time with the Lord, that she was, she was doing that. She looked like she, she had been you know, intoxicated. Meditate. We think so deeply about what God has done. This is, this is what we need to do. This is what David and other psalmists were saying. They, they think about God all the time. They think about His law. How wonderful His law is. Uh, how wonderful the works of God is. Psalm 119, verse 15. Also, verse 78 is similar. I will meditate in thy what? Precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Okay? Again, he's talking about thinking about God's precepts. Thinking about it and think about, wow, you know, uh, God said to do this. And he's wondering, well, what is the significance and so forth. That's why when we do our devotions, it's important not just to read words. Are you with me? Try and remember what you just read, that throughout the day you could think about what you read. Okay? You spend time with the Lord. Uh, you don't have to be on your knees or in a dark room or whatever. You can be spending with the Lord anywhere you go as you think about what the Lord had told you that day. Okay? Don't leave the house empty. Princess also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did do what? Meditate in thy statutes. Psalm 119, verse 23. Similar one in verse 48. Okay, so again, here, God's statutes, we're not forgetting about it. We are what? Thinking about it. Okay? There's a whole movement in, God, in, 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 in Christianity to forget about God's law about his precepts and so forth. We just need to be filled with the Spirit. Never mind those things. Forget about those things. And yet, in the Psalms, we read that we ought to what? Think about those things. Meditate on those things. But the ones that say we don't need, we don't need to think about those because we don't need to keep those anymore. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. They're the ones that say we just need to be moved by the Spirit. You see, there's, all, there's, there's this constant thing about warring the Spirit against God's Word. You've got to test the spirits because that's not the right spirit. I had one lady before. I remember she ended up uh, sleeping with uh, somebody. Okay? having, you know, uh, sexual intercourse with this individual. She said that God told her to. 
It wasn't her husband, by the way. She said God told her to. That was the wrong spirit. The Bible, God tells us through his prophets and other Bible writers uh, to fill the mind, to think about, upon these things. Okay? Mine eyes prevent thy night, the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Okay? Psalm 119, 148. You guys got the picture? Let me leave you with one more. Joshua 1.8, The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So how do we prosper and have good success? Well, we meditate on the book of the law, the things that God has taught us, and then that way we can observe them and that we may be prosperous. Okay? The book of the law, God's word, is not there to hinder us. It's there so we can be prosperous in life, in health, in relationships, and so forth. God does not want us to go uh, in the wrong direction. He's given us a guide in the right direction. But the key thing here is, should we meditate? Should Christians meditate, yes or no? Yes. If you are meditating to do what? Fill the mind. If you are thinking about things. Okay? Now, in the martial arts... It's the opposite. When you see the meditation that they do in, this, in the Eastern arts, meditation, when they do it in Eastern meditation, the ultimate goal is to empty the mind. Empty the mind, not to fill the mind, but to empty the mind and to be in what is known as the void or the here and now and to reach Total enlightenment. Buddha means the enlightened one. Okay? And so the meditation there is, is used to get into that void. Where it is uh, to the point that you become in harmony with the whole universe. And so in a fight, it is beyond the physical. Because as the person moves to hit you, the whole idea is you are in so much harmony with nature because you are nature. You're in harmony with the universe that when somebody hits, you're just flowing with them. And you're moving. And so you become in harmony with everything around you. But the idea here is not to fill the mind, but to empty the mind. And this is... The opposite meaning, but of the same word. Now, based on this definition, should Christians meditate? No, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches to meditate, you need to be thinking about something. And so be careful when somebody starts telling you to pray by, for example, by choosing a word, like Jesus, or love, or salvation, whatever it is, 
and then they tell you, well, just repeat it over and over, and then you will feel a sensation, you will feel the presence of God, and, and uh, just keep doing that until you realize that God is there with you. When they start doing that, it is basically focusing you, and what it's doing is emptying the mind of everything else, and so they get you to do like, uh, again, using one word, and they go, love, 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 love. That's the prayer. That's the prayer. And what it does now, welcome. What it does now is, again, this is not thinking about things, but this is forgetting about things and to empty the mind. Okay? Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus said, peace I give to you, my peace give I unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. He says it's his peace. Understand that the peace we can have is spending time in God's word and getting close to the Lord, that we're thinking about God, we're speaking to God. It's not about forgetting about God. You see what I'm saying? So we can try and have peace by doing other things, about forgetting about things. Those things are still there. No, it's about coming closer to God. What happens is in the meditation, uh, our brain waves start changing. Right now, hopefully, you are in beta brain wave. Okay? Which means that your, 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 your mind is active, it is alert. Okay? And, and so you're listening, you're paying attention, and what happens is, is you're using the frontal lobe, your frontal cortex, to think and to assess. So when somebody's, when, when you're hearing things, you're deciding, should I believe this guy? Should I not believe this guy? Does that make sense? Does this make sense? And just, you're making judgments. Okay? Now, what happens is when you start doing the meditation, you start now going into alpha mode. Now, understand, we go through alpha mode anyway. Some of you may be getting to a point where you're a little bit more relaxed, a little bit too relaxed, and so your, your, your mind is shutting off slightly, and you're not processing everything, you're not thinking about everything. Okay, you're now, the waves are now in the alpha wave mode. Now, when you get deeper into meditation, when you try and empty the mind, and that is done through techniques uh, of breathing, they'll get you to concentrate on your breathing, breathing in and forget about everything else, and just focus on your breathing. What happens now is the brain waves start going deeper into what is known as the theta brain wave mode. That is when you're in a meditative state. That is when you get more drowsy and even in a trans-like state as well. Now, again, the idea is to... Now, we do naturally go into those things like when we fall asleep. But understand, this is forcing ourselves to be in that state while we are still awake and conscious. 
So you'll see practitioners in a, either a half lotus position or a full lotus position, and you know, and they'll do things like this. Okay, and they try and they keep perfectly still, back straight, and so forth. And uh, but sometimes um, you'll have different postures and so forth. That is me, by the way, with more hair. And so I remember one time when I was training uh, with the teacher, the teacher I was training under, and I was going into a meditation session. I remember distinctly what he told me then. He said, when you meditate so deep, you will find that that is when you will leave your body. And when you come back, your body may be occupied by someone else. It is then that you would have to fight for it back. They call it astral projection. But I've come to understand through a study of scripture that that is actually called demon possession. Because what happens is when you go in that state you become susceptible to other, others' suggestions. When you do hypnosis, that's the state you want to bring somebody in. Okay? But here's the thing. When you put yourself into that state, you are now susceptible to someone else taking over. You can have different forms. You can be in this position. Okay. Now there are those that say, well, you know what? Uh, in the martial arts, we'll, we'll separate the physical from the, uh, from the meditation. We won't do that meditation. But understand that in reality, martial arts as a whole is not a separation of the two, but a harmony of the two. In the Western world, we like to separate things, okay? And, and uh, that's based on the plat uh, platonic uh, understanding of things about separating the physical from the spiritual and so forth. But in the East, uh, you'll find that things are kept in harmony. And so what happens here is people think of meditation as when you sit down and you cross your legs, Okay? So even today, when I mentioned Eastern meditation, was this what you sort of had in your mind, yes or no? Yeah, cross-legged, either in this position or down here. But what's interesting is that in the martial arts, it is actually the harmony of that meditation with the physical. So in other words, it is not just sitting down cross-legged, so we'll pretend I'm actually on a seat or, you know, on the ground, cross-legged like this. No, what happens is in the martial art, you are in that frame of mind where you are emptying the mind while you do the physical. So what happens is it's not the physical you're doing, but the state of mind you're actually doing, emptying the mind as you do the movements. That is why, for example, even one martial art system has been uh, named meditation in motion, typically seen in Tai Chi. Okay, 
So it actually incorporates, it puts it together. It is not a separation. The West has tried to separate it, but the system itself is the complete system of the physical with the spiritual. So it is meditation in motions. And so when you do things like uh, Tai Chi, which is known as meditation in motion, thank you. I don't know if we'll need the fan for circulation or whatever, but there's one there and uh, there's one there. If you guys want to use it, it's up to you. Anyway, so it's meditation in motion. So you don't need to be cross-legged. Just like when you pray to the Lord, do you have to be kneeling down with your hands folded? No. That's why Paul said, pray without ceasing. Okay? Well, you can't spend 24 hours of your day on your knees praying. I pray when I'm on the road. Okay? I pray, uh, you know, I remember... Uh, even here at, at camp meeting, I'm, I'm part of uh, safety. I'm, I'm one of the ones that go around all over campus, checking things out, making sure everything's all right. But there was one individual, um, one of the, uh, in the departments there, they were using his, his tablet. And his tablet was, they had everything there from the songs for, for the, uh, you know, um, it was actually for the youth class, for the youth. So they had it there. Uh, presentations were in there. It got a crack, so the touch screen wasn't working and so forth. Uh, but anyway, and he told me that, but I kept praying that they can get it to work. But I didn't stay there and, and keep praying. I was in, my, in the golf cart going around, and I was praying to the Lord, speaking to the Lord. Okay? So I did not need to be in a posture where I was kneeling down, hands folded. I was speaking to the Lord, praying to the Lord, even while I was in the cart driving. In meditation, in the martial arts, okay, you don't need to be cross-legged. Okay? What happens is you're now in meditation even as you move. Okay? Does that make sense? It's called meditation in motion. And what happens is that uh, when you get into this, you get into, that's how you get more into the spiritual realm as well. Because now you are dealing with things that are supernatural. Let me share something here. From a friend of mine, Andreas Mellis, he's an ordained minister. He's over there in Canada, British Columbia Conference. He trained in Shotokan Karate. He trained in uh, Koju Ryu, which is Okinawan Karate. He trained in Kung Fu, Ninjutsu, and Tang Sudo. Here's what he had to say. The whole purpose of training is to get the Kundalini, the serpent power in yoga, and Ki, or Chi. Ki is the Japanese form. Okay, Chi is the Chinese form. That is the internal power in martial arts to flow through the system in order for the student to have inner strength to break things or hurt and manipulate others, all under the mask of good health and prosperity. Okay? And you'll hear a lot about Tai Chi, about using it for health and so forth. But understand, it's about getting that harmony and getting that energy to flow, whether it's the Chi or Ki or the Kundalini, uh, that would be the Indian name for it, okay? 
and, and, and to get that harmony and to have it to flow and go on and, and so forth. And that is what is done when the people break bricks and, uh, and so forth. And when you see those guys that uh, put spears to their throat and they go towards it and nothing's happening, through meditation, that's how you get more closer into the spiritual realm. Okay? Now, and so again, those things are used. The emptying now is used, what is, uh, what is done to uh, break things and to manipulate certain things as well. Uh, when I was uh, training, we used to have patio stones, okay, like 12 by 18 uh, patio stones, the bricks. That's what we used to break, okay? And they, then they're about one and three quarter inches. Each one was about the density of about three to five human skulls. So you break through one, it's like going through three to five skulls, okay? I remember one time, there's this guy who's about 200 pounds. We set up one brick. One brick was set up for him. And he, you know, he did his winding up and so forth. And then he went down and he went down with all the force that he had. And guess what? He did have enough force. He put in so much physical force that it broke. Not the brick. His arm broke. His arm broke. Same brick, okay? But this is a different time, but, you know, the same type of brick and so forth. There was this girl, she's 14 years old. She wasn't that big, she's petite. She went and she got into a meditative state and something took over. And then when she went, she broke right through it. It's beyond just the physical, okay? And so what happens now is you get into that meditative state and that is how you develop and try and bring in harmony that the chi or the ki or the kundalini, whatever it is you're doing, whether it's martial arts or yoga or whatever. Here, this is, a, this is basically a multiple brick breaking. Here is what we see. Yeah, that's me with longer hair. We see demonstrations at malls. But here's the point. Let me just share something here. When I would do the breathing, it was because I was now getting into that meditative state. Okay, And again, I'm not that big of a fella. My arm would break if I put all the force I had. And then there's a point in that where I went into a trance-like state. And then when I broke it, okay, something took over. I don't remember a thing. I just, I just know that there's a point where I lose sight of, of anything. It's like I was in a trance. And then I go through it, and, and when that's done, then I come out of it. But that is when you come into that state of becoming empty. Okay? Now, Glenn? It's something supernatural. Something supernatural. Let's put it that way. Can God have us do it? Sure he can. Sure he can. He can give us the strength. Okay? But in this case, it's not God that was doing it. It's another one that claimed to be God. 
Okay? I remember the, the, the man I trained under. Let me just share this. We, uh, we trained, and at that time, he, he only uh, had select students trained with him. Because we, you know, we would train instructors, and they would train students. But he would, he would train us. But anyway, what had happened is there were four of us. And so when we went into a training session, and this was out west, uh, in the western part of Canada, I went, uh, we went there. Uh, after a day's session of training, we sat around uh, the fireplace. We sat on the couch, some, one on the chair and one on the floor and so forth. I was on one end of the couch, and this man who was our teacher, we used to call him master, but I serve another master now, so I don't call him master. So this man, he was sitting on one end of the couch, I was sitting on the other end of the couch. And here's what he said. He told me, keep your eyes on me. Now understand that the training I was under, you could take a glass of water, put it on a table, and if he was to told me to keep my eyes on it, I would make sure it did not leave. I would protect it with my life. Somebody could come, two people come, three, four, five people would come. I would protect that glass of water until he told me it was okay for me to not worry about it anymore. That's the type of training I had. Anyway, so he's there. Before he tells me what to do, he whispers in somebody's ear. So he goes to that person and, and then he whispers something. And then he tells me, okay, Bayani, keep your eyes on me. So I'm there, I'm keeping my eyes on him, and as I was watching him, he was disappearing right in front of my eyes. All of a sudden, he snapped me out of it, and then he asked, uh, he asked me, what did you see? I said, well, I was looking at you, and all of a sudden, you were disappearing in front of my eyes. He asked the next person, what did you see? I said, nothing, you were just sitting there. Next person, nothing, you were just sitting there. Next person, you were just sitting there, nothing happened. Now in my mind, I was thinking, well, yeah, it's been a long day, I'm tired, we're sitting by a fireplace, it's kind of dim, you know, and stuff. So I'm thinking, yeah, you know, my eyes were just going. I was getting drowsy, you know. Sometimes how kids go in, in the classroom, <laughs> things start to fade. <laughs> So I was thinking, yeah, it must be something like that. As I was thinking that, he said, just in case you're thinking that it's just because it's dark, it's dim, and it's been a long day, let's do something else. He then whispers in somebody else, else's ear. So he whispers in this person's ear something. And then now he tells me again, keep your eyes on me. So there I am again, I'm watching, watching, same thing again, he started disappearing. And all of a sudden, he snapped me out of it, and he asked me, what did you see? You were disappearing. Oh, and by the way, I don't remember if I said, but he did ask that person, what did I say was going to happen? This was in the first demo. That person said, well, you said you were going to disappear in front of Bayani's eyes, and that's exactly what happened. Now, for the second one, he asked me, what... What did you see or what happened? I said, you started to disappear. You were disappearing. He asked the next person, what happened? He said, nothing. You were just sitting there. Next person, this person now said, you were disappearing. 
Then he asked the next person, what happened? He said, nothing, you were just sitting there. And then he asked that person that he whispered to, what did I say? And that person said, you said that you would disappear in front of Bayani's eyes and in front of such and such's eyes. He manipulated which one of us he would disappear in front of. And so we find that there's a, a realm where now, remember, these things are steps towards, towards the ultimate goal of enlightenment, where you become part of that energy or that God. Okay? Let me share one more thing, and we'll draw to a close here, but I will leave you with, with a particular quote. This one here, it's during the same week, um, I remember another time we were sitting there another evening. This is, you know how good Christian homes, good Adventist homes, we have, you know, family worship at night. This was kind of like our family worship <laughs> with, you know, in the martial arts. But anyway, I look back. I, I was excited back then, but I look back now and say, Lord, have mercy. I just praise the Lord that, that my wife, her brother, and his wife were praying for me at that time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to get out. I would have, but it took prayers. I would have only been able to through prayers, and that's what happened. This time, here's what happened. I'm sitting on one end of the couch. He's on the other end again. He tells me the same thing. He says, Miami, keep your eyes on me. So I'm there, I'm watching him. And this time it was different. The other time he was disappearing, but this time it's like, it's hard to describe. It was like I was in a dreamlike state, but it was, it was strange because his form changed. He did not disappear. I could still see him, but his form changed into like a silhouette. That's all I could see. It was a silhouette. Now, silhouettes are dark, but the whole place went dark, and yet I saw dark upon dark. It was total darkness, and yet I could still uh, sense that there was a silhouette there. Something totally, it was no longer him. That's the best way I could describe it. It was not him. Something else was there. And so as I watched him, he changed into a silhouette darkness, and I can't even describe it. His visage, his face changed, everything changed, but it was just darkness, and all of a sudden, I started going like this. I could not breathe. He snapped me out of it, and he says, what's the matter, can't breathe? He was crushing my lungs without even touching me. That is the supernatural that it leads to. Let's uh, close with this. I want to leave you off with this thought. Okay? The reason I want to leave you off with this thought is we have nothing to fear regarding the darkness. Okay? I was in the darkness because I did not know the light. Are you with me? That's why darkness had power over me. But praise God, 
Darkness has no power over me because the master I serve is Jesus Christ. He is the true light. He is the light of men that has come into this world. Read this. Look, Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2, page 32. Here is what it says about the last days. The 144,000 were all sealed and perfectly united. This is after God's people are sealed and so forth. You have nothing to fear, dear friends. Look what it says. On their foreheads was written, God, New Jerusalem, and a glorious star containing Jesus' new name. At our happy, holy estate, who is it now? The wicked were what? Enraged. And would rush how? Violently, violently up to lay hands on us to thrust us into prison. They're going to come after you if you're one of the ones still alive at that time. You're one of the 144,000 that are sealed. The wicked are going to come to rush violently upon you to bring you to prison. When we would stretch forth, as it continues, when we would stretch forth the hand in the name of the Lord, and the wicked would fall what? Helpless to the ground. So the wicked will violently rush upon God's people, the 144,000, and then God's people, the 144,000, all they do is go like this. What happens to the wicked? They fall down. No martial arts training. None of that stuff. Okay, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about somebody who's going to come and crush my lungs, even though they're not touching me. I serve a higher power, and that power is Jesus Christ. He's the one who will gain victory. I don't have to worry. I'll just wave my hand. The angels will do the fighting for me. They will fall down. It is a spiritual battle, dear friends. But I'll tell you right now, it's not about emptying the mind. It's about what? Filling the mind. Each and every day is a warfare. This is not just about those who train in the martial arts. It's about those who are in the spiritual warfare. That's each one of you and me. There's, a, there's one who is a roaring lion, lion looking whomever he may uh, devour. He's, he's out for lunch. He's hungry. But my dear friends, we need to realize that this warfare has been won by Jesus Christ. So even us, each and every day, we're in that warfare. Fill your mind with Christ, with His law, with His works, what He has done. And because of that, you will have victory through Christ upon anything that the devil throws at you. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad that the true master is Jesus Christ. And I want to fill my mind with him, what he has done, his mercy, and everything else. Who here today wants to say, Lord, I don't want the house to be empty. I want it to be full with your love and everything you have done. Anybody here? Praise God. Praise God. We have time uh, for, for a question if you want. If not, you can ask me afterwards as I start to unpack, but uh, at this time, is there any question on this particular topic? Yes, sir. Um, I know the whole world is a very I but are you able to control that? Because I mean, I went to the class, 
Okay, so you you did you pay for it? Oh, okay, okay. So you're going to a class that you have decided you're not going to listen to them. <laughs> so you're there to learn them. You're there for them to teach you something that you are purposely not going to follow. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? Okay. So my question is, why go? <laughs> Alright. Here's 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 um and I mentioned this earlier. When you're stressed, here's the thing. In those type of things, let me let me read this. John fourteen twenty seven. And I quoted this earlier. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace we have as Christians is not because we forget about things, it's because we think about God. Do you see the difference? Because as a Christian, because you can be an atheist and have the peace that you're talking about by forgetting about things. But the peace a Christian has is by having Christ's peace. And so because we have the peace of Christ, it doesn't matter if, if we have more bills than month. See what I'm saying? It does not matter if the children are going the wrong way. It doesn't mean that we don't worry about those things, but the point is we have peace knowing that God is in control. And we only have that peace by filling our minds with God's works, realizing God is a true judge, that God is the one in control of world events and so forth. That's the peace we can have as Christians. Not by forgetting things, but by remembering how God has led, what God has done. Okay, does that make sense? That's the peace. So when you find yourself stressful, read the Psalms. Read the Psalms. Fill your mind with the, the goodness of God. Okay? One more. Uh, so the question is, um, should we be militant in, in, for example, telling organizations they shouldn't have those, they don't even allow Christian beliefs in there, and so forth, right? Okay. Um, here's the thing. Um, first thing you need to do is be on your knees uh, in prayer, for one thing, okay? It's the Lord Jesus that has, it's His light that needs to come. And what's going to happen is that is part of Babylon. That is part of Babylon. What you need to do is you do uh, your part, but understand that when you have groups, there's a group mentality. You need to, you need to speak to individuals 
one at a time, okay? And give awareness that way. It's like anything else. It's like anything else. Um, you cannot go to a Catholic church and tell them they're Babylon. You gotta, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. But you're right. Yeah. You can do what do what you can, okay? But at the same time, just make sure it's done Christ-like, okay? But yeah, you're talking about rights and stuff like that. Because yeah, you'll find that Christianity is being pushed to the side as far as rights. Everybody, everybody has rights and whatever, but when you mention Christianity, all of a sudden, rights disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Let me catch your questions afterwards. I want to close up here um, and then I may, sh you know, share that with, with the class tomorrow and so forth just so everybody hears it. But anyway, uh, but, so let's pray and we'll meet here again tomorrow, same time. We're going to talk uh, more uh, tomorrow. It'll probably be uh, on the combative mind versus the mind of Christ. We'll talk about that. But let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that truly. You are the light that we need to turn to. You are the light that is drawing all men. And Lord, we thank you so much for your love and your mercy and how you teach us. Lord, we know that the world needs to learn of your ways because the devil is busy evangelizing the world with his principles, spiritual principles. So the devil is out to teach in, in these hospitals and schools and so forth, Lord. But we pray that your gospel will go into all the world and cover all the areas that the devil uh, tries to cover. We want to pray especially for Chuck at this time, Lord. We're grateful uh, for him, that you are sharing uh, your light with him and that he is seeing things that uh, perhaps he suspected but maybe not uh, seen before. So, Lord, we thank you for that continually work in his heart and in his life. And be with each one of us. May we fill our minds with you, with what Christ has done for us, with what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, and all your laws, and all your love and your mercy towards us. We thank you once again. Bring us back tomorrow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.